even teens that responded to a recent common sense media survey, you 70% of teens describe themselves as addicted to their phones. So because phones are designed to be addictive. So, so this is a great conversation to have with kids is, is understanding how these technologies work and as well as the, te- you know, the technology business models. Mom, when can I get a phone? If I had a nickel for every time I heard that in my house, I would be a rich woman. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Hub Today presents Mom to Mom. And you guessed it. We are talking about the phone, when to get it, what to do once kids have it, and then even like the teenager and beyond conversation about having some restrictions around these devices that are taking over our world. So we're talking tech specifically phones. And like I said, it's been the center of conversation around our house for quite a while now. So thankfully, Jessica Spear is here. She is a highly acclaimed author for kids and teens. And today she's going to be talking about her brand new book called The Phone Book offering tips to stay safe online and use the powerful tool in our pockets for good. We end up talking about online stranger danger and how kids are super savvy and so how we as parents can, you know, get ahead of that and put restrictions around it and all those questions that I have been having for a while. And she's a great resource for us because this adds to her impressive resume of books, including Middle School Safety Goggles Advised and her other book called BFF or NRF, Not Really Friends, which both tackle conversations of friendship, bullying, and identity, all things that kids are dealing with on the daily. So I'm so excited to have Jessica here. This conversation goes in so many different directions, and I felt like at the end, I just didn't even have enough time to get to all the things I had in this area. So Without further ado, here is the brand new author of The Phone Book, Jessica Spear. Oh my gosh, there's so many different ways we can go. But first of all, Jessica, congratulations on the new book. So good to see you. Hey, great to see you, Maria, and thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited about this book. It's 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 a tough time for parents as we navigate all this. It is such a tough time. And why did you find like that now was the time to tackle this book, the phone book? Yeah. So, so what we're seeing trending is, you know, since the pandemic, kids are getting phones younger and younger these days. So the latest study I found by Stanford was over half of 11-year-olds have a smartphone. And once we, they get to 12 and a half, we're up to 75%. And Whoa. by 15, pretty much all, you know, teens have smartphones. So, so that's, that's a lot of responsibility. I mean, cell phones, let's face it, if they're connected, are a window to the world. So there's a lot of conversations, you know, that, that we need to have as parents and the kids, things they need to be aware of as they start to navigate this online world. And we're going to talk about all of that. But I was curious, you mentioned because of the pandemic, do you think, what was it during the pandemic that kind of spiked the increase? in phones with the young ones. Well, you know, we were all worried about making sure that our preteens and teens were staying connected with their friends and they were forced to be online for school. So so it just kind of sped everything up. I mean, we might have eventually gotten here anyway, but I'm finding that you know the pace has quickened um, and kids are online a lot earlier. Okay. So I have a nine-year-old. <laughs> Let's use that as a jumping off point. Uh, You mentioned that a lot of 11-year-olds and a lot of 12-year-olds have the phones. 
Scientifically, have you found that there is a magic number when it comes to giving them this, as you say, very powerful tool? Yeah, that is the million dollar question. And a lot of parents are wondering that. And I actually wish it was almost like a driver's license where there's, there was this age that kids would get their phone and the whole you know years prior to were preparing for that, you know, we're not there right now. But what I, I think is helpful for parents to think about is three things for their kids. You know, one, you know, having a fully connected smartphone is very different from maybe a simple device that gives them access to maybe some texting and calling. So, so when we're talking smartphones, parents can think about three things. One is, of course, their child. You know, every child is different. So think about their, their temperament, maybe their vulnerabilities and their strengths. Um, you know, so where are they? How is their self-control? Two, we can think about what are they planning to do online? So what content are they doing? You know, what they're doing online has a big impact on how all of this plays out with them and their mental health. And then thirdly, you know, what's going on at home as far as family conversations? Ideally, you know, families have a family tech agreement in place, you know, that they work together as a family, you know, kind of the family rules is what are the screen-free zones and times and, you know, what are the basic rules? So they've had these conversations, this family tech agreement is in place and they've had a lot of ongoing conversations about things like online safety and and misinformation and FOMO yes. and all those things that we deal with once we're, we're actually you know active active citizens in the online world so as someone who's naive in this world because it's new for me as a mom um, you mentioned the smartphone right which has access to all of those things that you talked about social media and the internet and it's like this gateway to everything and then there are devices out there, right, that can just be for calling and texting like we used to in the old days. Um, are those available and what sort of things should we be asking for for our very first phones when we walk into one of these stores? Ooh, you know, and there are many available. And so what I encourage families to do is, you know, start small, you know, so go to the, go to the, the phone store and talk through the options. Cause there's many that offer, you know, different things. And so I, I think it's a great idea if you can to start small and slowly introduce these technologies. You know, a lot of kids are already online if they've got an iPad at home, but what we're switching to is something that's mobile, you know, that they are doing outside of the home. Um, so start small and, you know, grow from there, you know, so they can kind of learn responsibility and take these things on in steps. But, but you're right, you know, my kids started with the simple gizmo gadget, you know, and now they're both in their teens, so they both now have smartphones, but we, we slowly worked our way there and notice what going on in your community. So what I what I notice is if if it's not a problem, like your kid is fine, everything is fine socially, they don't actually need a phone, everything seems to be going well in their social world, you might not even need to go there. But it sounds like you're at a place already where your kids are asking, you know, so it's start to, starting to think about what are these steps? You know, where do we want to start? Yeah. And where do we go from there? I think what you mentioned, like the gadget, like the watch, the something where we have access to each other, but not access to the bigger platforms and the whole World Wide Web, because I'm not ready for that. But I have to tell you, as a parent, I have trouble monitoring my own devices. And our kids, they are savvier than we are with all of this. So when it comes to monitoring them, I feel like they're light years ahead of us. So how do you stay on top of it to make sure that they are only doing what you set out to do? And this gets harder and harder, you know, so, so 
realistically, we're, we're not going to keep up and we're never going to be as savvy as they are. They are so savvy. So that's why it's so important to keep having these conversations at home, you know, and, and, and just keep talking about it. Try to do that from a place of curiosity, because as soon as we start, you know, coming at them with a lot of judgment, um, they're going to stop sharing with us. So ideally, we want them to talk about what they're seeing online and what's challenging online. And once they're getting to middle school, a lot of things are playing out online. So, so it might be the time where all their friends are online and now they're feeling a little socially isolated. So that's tricky too, you know? So, so whether they have a phone or whether they, you know, don't have a phone in, in middle school, they're going to experience FOMO either way. And that's, that's a real challenge for kids, especially in the preteen years. You know, they are very concerned about staying connected with their peers and want to be doing what their peers are doing. So, so this is a tough one for, for parents to, to keep, keep up with, and we're not going to. So we just have to keep doing the best we can. Um, but one, one resource I want to put out there, one amazing book, if we really want to know what kids are doing, there's a book called Behind Their Screens. It's by Emily Weinstein and Carrie James that did a, an amazing job of, of talking with thousands of kids and really sharing what is going on on those screens. So for me as a parent, that was so helpful to know because there's a lot of nuances that we just don't understand as parents. Are you looking for your summer guide to adventures in Boston, the perfect recipes for your family, or exclusive interviews with your favorite celebrities? Well, you can get all of that in one place in your inbox with the Hubbub newsletter. To sign up, all you have to do is go to NBC10Boston.com newsletters, drop your email, and you'll be in the know. So here we are talking about kids and their phones and screens, and it's kind of tough for a parent to differentiate with the screen time because so much of it is educational and even mandatory for school. Um, it's a fine line. How do we help them understand and how do we help monitor the good screen time versus the mindless scrolling screen time? Oh, it's so hard to know because a lot of kids, you know, they will be texting their friends while they're doing homework. So this is this is not an easy one. It, it, it you know, it's so interconnected. You know what they're doing online for school and how they're staying connected with their friends. Um, so we can just help them understand. You know trying to help them navigate as productively as we can, you know, talking about how we actually can't multitask. So it's important to, you know, when you are doing your homework, try to focus on that and maybe put some family rules in place around that. Um, you know, setting aside time for just time for them to whatever, they're going to maybe play some games or connect with friends, um, but helping them start to, to set aside time for what they really need to do, which is often on screens, you know, so, so, so much of their life is unfolding on screens. Now, whether at school or their social worlds. What I'm hearing from you so far with all of this is like creating some boundaries around things, creating a game plan, and it just not being willy-nilly. So the moment the phone get in gets introduced, it's like, okay, here's the game plan, here's how much time, things like that. Just That will make me feel like a little more in control, I feel like. Um, but what I do worry about, and I'm very transparent with my nine-year-old who's, who's wanting to get into this world with gadgets and gizmos and all these things, is I say to her, you know, I, I think I'm addicted to my device. 
and I don't want to see that for you because I think I'm missing out on the real world because my head is in my phone. Now, I don't know if it's the phone. I don't know if it's the social media that I'm addicted to. I don't know if it's the scrolling or the disassociating or whatever it is, but phone addiction is real, right? How can we yeah, help well, them they, they, not we call get it different things. Yeah, we call it different things, but it is real. And, and I'm so glad you said that because even teens that responded to a recent common sense media survey, you 70% of teens describe themselves as addicted to their phones. So because phones are designed to be addictive. So, so this is a great conversation to have with kids is, is understanding how these technologies work and as well as the tech, you know, the technology business model. So, you know, the first chapter of the book is called why tech companies want you staring at your screen. Mm. So it's important for kids to know that, you know, these devices and apps are designed to keep us scrolling. You know, so there's, tech, you know, persuasive design mm-hmm. techniques such as tagging and, um, you know, notifications and you know, all these things that keep us going back to our phone. So, so they are designed to be addictive. So, you know, so you as a mom can talk about that. And I'm glad you're saying, I feel like I'm addicted and I'm worried about you because that's exactly what we're experiencing right now is, you know, they are addictive. And of course, you know, kids feel like they're addicted to their phones because they're designed so beautifully to keep us scrolling, you know, which feeds into the business model for tech, which is advertising. So, so that's also a great conversation to have with kids. Like, how does this advertising model work? And they'll notice, you know, ads that are directed to them based on some of their past searches. So, so the more aware we can make kids of, you know, how this technology works, you know, the more informed consumers they're going to be. I think you're absolutely right. I think that's really great advice because we kind of got thrown into it. We just, oh, here's a cell phone. And then things just kept happening where with our kids, we said they're savvier than us. So if we can explain to them, hey, try to beat the house because this tech is trying to get you, try to beat that. Try not to be that person mm-hmm. that is scrolling and you know falling for everything on there. And they're, they're smarter than us. So maybe they will figure it out. And maybe they won't be a generation like we are who, who kind of get stuck in all of that. Um, but one of the things that people are loving about your books and this one in particular that I really like is you really give like real time advice and scenarios. So can you kind of give us an example of a, a scenario that would play out in, in real life? Sure, sure. You know, so what I try to do is make this book really interactive, you know, because let's face it, I'm competing with phones. So for instance, in the chapter that talks about footprints or digital reputations, you know, it, it puts them in the shoes where, okay, so you are hiring somebody for to work in your ice cream shop, you know, would you choose candidate A based on a few screenshots of, you know, maybe some social posts, or would you choose candidate B? You know, so this is a, uh, you know, engaging way to help them think about, you know, how people are making judgments of us based on what we post online. So it's just kind of those interactive hands-on activities that start to show them, oh, okay, this is maybe why, you know, what I post online matters because people are looking at and making judgments on me, which, you know, to be honest, is very hard for an 11 or 12 year old brain, which is why, you know, all these conversations are ongoing. You know, this is just part of parenting now. You know, as parents, we are teaching our kids digital literacy and we're teaching them digital digital citizenship as our schools because there's so much to know and and their brains are developing over the course of these years. So, So it's important to keep talking about it. Yeah. I mean, we haven't even talked about that part yet, but now what you're saying is kind of making me think about the digital footprint that we're creating for our kids and that they're creating for themselves. And 
what that can mean for them. Um, do you have any advice when it comes to uh, what kids should be putting out in terms of photographs, uh, videos, information about themselves? Yeah, and this again is harder for preteens um, because they're not thinking college. You know, they're not thinking future job prospects. Um, but they, you know, we as parents can start to talk about how it does matter how you put yourself out there. So, so to think about these posts before they post them. Um, and of course, kids are going to mis make mistakes because they're kids. Um, but by the teen years, kids are starting to get this uh, much more clearly, especially as maybe if they're planning to go to college, starting to think about you know what it what they are putting out there online. Um, colleges are looking now, so they act, colleges will check what you know is what kids have on their social media profiles, and in most cases it's positive because many kids do put out really positive things and, and talk about things they really care about. So, so this can work in positive ways, um, but as parents, we can just keep talking about it, letting them know how important it is um, and, and encourage them the best we can and help them when they mess up. So when they do post something that is inappropriate, you know, help them get that off, you know, talk that through with them so they hopefully might not make that mistake again. Yeah, because beyond that, about even worrying about college or what they're putting out there, I worry about predators. I worry about the yeah. serious dangers. And I don't want to scare my kid or preteen or whatever. It's sort of like when we were little, they're like, you know, stay away from the, the van and the puppies and the candy and all that. But this is real. And there are people who are stealing photos and, and all of that kind of stuff. So um, how do we talk to them about this without terrifying them? Yeah, and I'm so glad you brought that up because it is real. I wish it wasn't, but there are predators out there. And, and me, and I'm sure you experienced too, Maria, as like a public person, you know, we get approached by strangers all the time in, in certain ways. So kids, if they have a public profile, we need to start talking about this. In fact, even before they have any public profiles, we need to talk about you know, online stranger danger and, and protecting your privacy. So, so for younger kids, I definitely encourage you know, keeping any profiles private, you know, so, so, you know, so therefore limiting who can see any posts or communications you're having online. So, so keep those private, but still talking to kids about what to do if you're contacted by a stranger, making sure they know not to use their real name in any profiles, never to share their actual location. So being very cautious and knowing that people can create um, fake profiles and be different ages. So I actually have a sample. I have a surreal story in the book um, that uh, an influencer pretended they were, they were pretended they're like 40 something, pretended they were younger, 15, and tried to reach out to some young girls to see what would happen. So it was, it was more of an experiment. But the point of the experiment was to show that he could get these younger teens to communicate with them. And, and sure enough, they did. So, so I share that, you know, in the content that talks about online safety and, and you know, privacy, um, because it is important for all kids to know. And we as parents can help them with the language, you know, if they are contacted. What do they do if they're contacted by a stranger? You know, and these days with, you know, say kids are gaming and maybe they're gaming in a public forum, um, there's even predators there. So, right. you know, we might want to put a sticky note on our kid's laptop if someone is, you know, starting to reach out to them or saying something appropriate. You know, one, they can log off or two, they can just have a sticky note on their computer that says, hey, 
keep it to the game, you know? Right. So, so learning how not to engage in these conversations with people yeah. that are trying to I get to why this is so difficult for a young brain that isn't developed because the very nature of social media is for us to reach out beyond the people that we know and to connect and to create a community even as an adult, but you don't know who's behind the screen. Are you looking for your summer guide to adventures in Boston, the perfect recipes for your family, or exclusive interviews with your favorite celebrities? Well, you can get all of that in one place in your inbox with the Hubbub newsletter. To sign up, all you have to do is go to NBC10Boston.com newsletters, drop your email, and you'll be in the know. Maybe this is for the older kids, but you know, in the social climate that we're in, an election year coming up. This is important for all of us. But um, do you have advice for talking to them to be able to tell the difference between fact and misinformation? I mean, I've seen a lot of adults fall prey to this um, because you really got to check your sources. I mean, being a journalist, it's a little different. I wear a different hat. But a lot of people fall into this sort of fake news situation. Yes. Yes. And so, you know, I always start with letting kids know that, you know, there is a whole business um, of fake news where individuals might be creating false stories to that hopefully go viral on social media because then they click on ads and it, it generates money for them. So that is, there's a whole business of, of false information. So, and it's rampant. You know, there was a study done recently by MIT that said that uh, a false news story is 70% more likely to be retweeted on the site that used to be known as Twitter. I'm not sure what to call it anymore, right. but it's it's rampant. So there's a, often a lot more false information out there than real. And sometimes people are sharing it, you know, not even knowing that it's fake. You know, so we're kind of adding fuel to this. So kids can help and parents and, and any adult can help stop this by pausing, really thinking about, okay, who is the source of this? You know, is this an opinion or is this based in fact? You know, do they need to fact check this on a, on a fact checking site? So being really suspicious as they read articles, you know, before they share it with all their friends, figuring out actually, is this true? You know, we all play a role in sharing misinformation or stopping it in its tracks and, and kids can play that too. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason they call it clickbait, you know, it's, yes. we're easily baited. And so if we can let the kids know, like you were saying earlier, just sort of get ahead of it and say, you're going to see stuff on there that isn't true. And you really got to go back and see where it came from and do a little fact checking and, you know, um, wear your journalist hat. And I feel like if they know that they might, they may not fall victim to that. Um, along the same lines, we have this term, which of course we didn't have when we were growing up, which is influencer. And there are people who are hired to influence. And again, we've got these young brains that aren't fully developed yet. And uh, how can we encourage them to be critical thinkers and to not necessarily get influenced at everything they see and be clicking everything and wanting to buy everything? Yeah, and that's a tough one, you know, because some of these influencers really connect with, you know, preteens and teens and help them, you know, navigate this this tricky time of life. But but again, getting back to helping kids understand that that's a business for them, you know, and and some influencers in recent years have actually, you know, shared, hey, you know, they didn't actually feel great about what they were doing, and they went back and and corrected and said, hey, this is actually fake, and this photo, you know, it took me three hours to get this looking this way. So helping kids 
understand the lay of the land you know that those unboxing videos you know that 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 kid is actually getting paid for that as are their families so they're doing that as a job so so you know the more aware we can make our kids of all of this you know the better place they're going to be and they'll be more critical consumers of all this but it is tough because they're young and their their brains aren't fully developed so so you know we as we as best as we can just kind of keep the conversation going and as families we can kind of make a game of this we can we can bring up things that we see that maybe are a little questionable and share it with them and hopefully they'll do the same with us so we can all help each other navigate. It's such a big conversation to have in such a short time. I feel like we covered a lot of ground, so I really do appreciate that. Um, congratulations on the book. How are you though? So you wrote a book literally called The Phone Book. How are you with your phone? What would you, you grade know, yourself? I'm, I'm yeah, I am much better than before writing the book. So I have to tell you, it was, you know, it was helpful for me to learn, you know, to really dive into the research and know how these phones work. So I, I'm better. I'm still have my phone all the time, you know, which is, you know, but what I do be really, I, I, since I know my teens are always watching me, I'm really aware of that. And so, so I'm, I try not to pick up my phone every time it buzzes. I do not touch my phone when I'm driving. Cause now I've got, you know, I've got someone with the permit and I've got a young driver. So I'm really cautious knowing that what I do, you know, they're always watching. So I'm trying to model the behavior I'd like to see in my I think kids. that is a perfect place to wrap this up is to model the good behavior is probably the best thing. Thing we can do. Jessica, thank you so much. Congratulations on the new book. The phone book is available everywhere and check out her other books while you're at it. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having Maria and good luck on the, the phone journey. Thank you so much. Oh, that was so helpful. I learned so much from today's episode. I hope you liked it too. If you like what you hear, be sure to check out more episodes of mom to mom the podcast. If you don't mind, rate and review. That's so important here in the podcast world. And if you want to watch us the old-fashioned way, you can catch mom to mom on television in the New England area. We are on Mondays at 11.30 a.m. on NBC10 Boston. All right, friends, that's a wrap for this episode of mom to mom and I will See you next time.